0: Mary Trump has announced that she will be pulling her podcast from Spotify in protest of Joe Rogan talking to scientists that she doesn't like, which is pretty shocking news for all of us. Mary Trump has a podcast. Mary Trump, the whiny niece of the former president. There are now so many podcasts that even the whiny niece of the former president, who has never done a single thing in her entire life, other than be the whiny niece of the former president has one. It's too much. It's too much. There's too much noise. This is the final straw. I am calling for a complete and total shutdown of all new podcasts until we figure out what the hell is going on. I'm Michael Knowles. this is the Michael Knowles show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday, speaking of things I'm calling for, is from Buckman, who says, love the Michael Knowles pledge. Hope more and more candidates from both sides publicly sign it. Yes, the pledge is the Michael Knowles Public Health Protection Pledge. It says two things. If you get elected to Congress in 2022, you will vote to subpoena Dr. Fauci, and you will vote to zero out his budget, his salary, rather. Get rid of his salary, make it so that he's not receiving a paycheck. Those are the two things. Make sure I need your help. Get your current congressman, get your senator, senators, I guess, get them to sign this pledge. Get the candidates who are asking for your vote right now, get them to sign this pledge. I want these people on the record. A Republican who will not vote to get rid of Fauci is completely useless. They don't deserve to be in Congress. They are they are not in any appreciable way conservative, get rid of them. Get them to sign the pledge. All right, you're going to be getting a lot of emails from candidates asking for your support. Okay. And one of the best ways to send out emails to lots and lots of people, constant contact. Constant contact is a digital marketing platform that helps small businesses and nonprofits of all sizes build, grow, and succeed. I have used constant contact For over a dozen years now, it is just the OG, reliable, extremely sophisticated, always is going to work email marketing contact management system. It's just great. I've trusted it for over a decade. They've got industry-leading list growth tools, social media ads, and more. Constant Contact helps small businesses connect with customers, find new ones, and sell online, all from one easy-to-use platform. They've been trusted by millions of businesses to help improve their marketing. With a 97% deliverability rate, you can rest assured that your customers and potential customers are getting the right message at the right time. With Very simple interface, even I could use it. Constant Contact's easy to use platform makes contact management easier than ever. They've got powerful automation tools. It's just, it's so simple to use. To start your free digital marketing trial today, visit constantcontact.com. Mary Trump is pulling her podcast, informing people for the first time that Mary Trump has a podcast. I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. I said the other day while I was humming Joni Mitchell songs, I had Neil Young all weekend. I had Neil, old man, take a look at my life. I said, why do I have Neil Young in my head? Oh, right, because he got himself in the news by opposing Joe Rogan. I said, at this point, we just have forgotten artists and even some, not not only hasbins, but never never wases, are now just using this Joe Rogan Nontroversy to get their names out there. And then Mary Trump proved it. Now, for the first time ever, people have heard of the Mary Trump podcast. We are in the pure opportunism phase of the Joe Rogan Nontroversy. And it's not just coming from hippies from the 60s, and it's not just coming from political hacks trying to cash in on their family name. It's coming from the White House. Jen Psaki from the White House press briefing room pressured Spotify to censor Joe Rogan even more than they already have.
1: Our hope is that all major tech platforms and all major news sources, for that matter, be responsible and be vigilant to ensure the American people have access to accurate information on something as significant as COVID-19. That certainly includes Spotify. So this disclaimer, it's a positive step, but we want every platform to continue doing more to call out misinfor- mis- and disinformation while also uplifting accurate information. I mean, look at the facts, right? You are 16 times more likely to be hospitalized if you're unvaccinated and 16 Sixty-eight times more likely to die than someone who is boosted. If you're unvaccinated, that's pretty significant, and we think that is something that unquestionably should be the basis of how people are communicating about it. But ultimately, uh, you know, our view is it's a it's a it's a good step. It's a positive step, but there's more that can be done.
0: The fact that Spotify will now put a disclaimer on only those podcasts of Joe Rogan that I don't like. Only the podcasts that dissent from the liberal orthodoxy, that's a good step. The fact that Spotify is now pressuring Joe Rogan to have more Democrats and establishmentarians and libs on his show, that's a good step, but we need more. I never again want to hear the phrase, build your own platform. This is something that the squishes have really relied on in recent years. And the libs as well. Both the libs and the squishes. They very often team up. Build your own. Sure, of course we need to build our own platform. We have built our own platform. I'm here. I'm here on one of the platforms that we have built. But that's not enough. Okay. We also need to rein in the government. And we also need to rein in the much more powerful platforms that are working in collaboration with the government. What Jen Psaki is showing you in that clip is that the free marketplace of ideas ain't so freaking free, is it? Spotify is, I guess, kind of acting of its own accord in in response to the workings of the market. I guess that's kind of true. They've got a bunch of libs who are protesting them, and so they're, they're reacting to that. They're also reacting to the president of the United States, who is using the full force of that office to pressure a private company to censor a, a political dissident. Not even that much of a political dissident, just a guy named Joe Rogan, who is a liberal, who is a left winger, who kind of sort of dissents from the dominant ruling class sometimes. And the president of the United States is using his power to get the private company to shut Joe Rogan up. That that problem is not nearly going to be fixed by win hearts and minds in the culture. You need to wield the government to punish <laughs> the other political actors who are doing this, and to bring into line the so-called private companies that are very often working in collaboration with the government. It was very fashionable in the sort of conservatism talking points of the 1990s and 2000s to draw a clean distinction between private enterprise and the government. Big government bad, private enterprise good. Even if it's big corporations, even if those corporations are basically just products of the government. Google is Google a private corporation? Uh, Sort of, kind of. I mean, it was founded with a lot of government money, actually, and developed with a lot of government money, and it reacts very closely with the government. They work together on a lot of things. But so it's sort of private. It's sort of public. It's sort of the culture. It's sort of politics. We need to wield all the power we can. The left is wielding all the power they can. Joe Biden is, through his spokesman, trying to censor Joe Rogan, a UFC-loving, DMT-taking, pot-smoking podcaster. Okay, We need to fight back, too, or we're going to get completely rolled over. Liberals have been complaining over the past few days about how too many people are watching Joe Rogan. Not enough people are watching CNN. Of course, every single sensible person in America trusts Joe Rogan more than they trust CNN. And now there's there's even more reason for that. There is trouble a brewing at CNN. The president of CNN, Jeff Zucker, has been fired. Why was he fired? Well, there's two stories. There's the story you're reading about in the press, and then there's the real story. Jeff Zucker, the, the ostensible reason, why the president of CNN was fired is because he was schtuping his deputy, Alison Gallist, and that this was an, an, a consensual office relationship. Jeff Zucker is no longer married. Neither is Alison Gallist, though previously they were married. And so it was consensual and it was an office relationship, but they didn't disclose it. And because Jeff Zucker didn't fill out a form with HR, that's why he got fired. If you believe that, I have got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. Obviously, there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more to it because CNN already knew about that relationship. There's a lot more to it because apparently a lot of people in media knew about that relationship. Katie Couric wrote about it in her book. In in Katie Couric's memoir, she wrote about how Jeff Zucker, she heavily insinuated that Jeff Zucker and this woman, she named the woman, were obviously stooping one another. The affair appears to have broken up both marriages, and then Zucker is now being ousted because of it. It gets even dirtier than that. Allison Gullist, the paramour here, the executive at CNN, was the former communications director for Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo, whose brother Chris Cuomo was one of the anchors at CNN. Andrew Cuomo, who was built up into the, a fantasy of the greatest governor in America, almost exclusively by CNN. So dirty, so corrupt. And then the cherry on top of the corruption Sunday is everyone at CNN apparently knew about this. A lot of other people in the media knew about this and nobody reported on it other than Katie Couric mentioning it in her book. This story perfectly, perfectly encapsulates the corruption of the establishment media cap it, it, it really illustrates two things. One, the corruption of the establishment media. You can't trust these people because they obviously they, they are literally sleeping with one another, right? They are literally in bed with one another, the politicians and the media executives and the whole morass, the whole liberal establishment. And they're not going to cover things. Do you, you, do you think it is just a coincidence that the network that employs Cuomo's brother, and Cuomo's former communications director, where that communications director was sleeping with the president of the network, that they they would just happen to give unduly positive coverage to the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo? Do you think that's just a coincidence? No, it's a very corrupt arrangement, and this isn't the only one. There are lots of these. The establishment media is teeming with them. That's the first thing this teaches you. The second thing this teaches you, and it seems obvious, but it bears repeating, you need to flee from sin. I don't want to sound like a preacher, man, but you need to flee from sin, especially sexual sin, because that's the easiest to give into. It's so basic to our nature and it'll get you. It'll get you. This guy, Jeff Zucker, they didn't fire him because of the affair that everyone knew about. They fired him because they wanted him out. They used the affair as a pretext, but he opened himself up to that. He, He compromised himself when he engaged in that affair. That's what we do when we engage in sin. This is why, by the way, the libs, the, the rulers want us to just do a lot of drugs and look at a lot of porn and engage in lots of weird sex stuff and do, and do all sorts. They want to compromise us, okay, so that we're always sitting. It's, it's just like getting, getting compromise on somebody, okay? Governments, po- politicians have known about this for many, many years. That's what happened to Jeff Zucker here. He is not the only one. He is not the only one. With this kind of dirt on him. There's a real downside for, for Jeff Zucker. And when, when you find yourself facing a downside, it's probably a good idea to get upside. People who are driving a lot are saving two to $300 per month. They're getting that in cash back simply by using get upside. How do you do it? You go to the get upside app, whether you're in the app store, whether you're in the Google play store, you just download that app for free. And then you get 25 cents per gallon cash back Every single time you fill up your car, with one exception. I do. I want to be perfectly upfront. One exception: if you use promo code Knowles, you'll actually get fifty cents per gallon cash back on your first fill up. It's a great way. As gas is going through the roof, this is a really great way to save at the pump. The cash back is super easy. Every single time you fill up, you get that twenty-five cents cash back. You you get that straight to your bank account or through PayPal or to Amazon gift cards or a number of other stores as well. Very very simple. Just download the free GetUpside app today. Use promo code Knowles to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. That is code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. CNN for their part, as their president is ousted ostensibly over a sex scandal, they go on air, Brian Stelter and some other dude and that chick whose name I forget, she's the blonde lady, they go on CNN And they basically defend Jeff Zucker.
1: I do just want to say something personal for a moment, if I may, and that is, I mean, I, I feel it deeply personally, but also I think I speak for all of us and our colleagues. This is an incredible loss. It's an incredible loss. Jeff is a remarkable person and an incredible leader. He has this uncanny ability to make, I think, every one of us feel special and valuable in our own way even though he is managing an international news organization of thousands of people I Mm. just know that he had this unique ability to make us feel special and I don't think that that comes around all the time and I think again it's an incredible loss and I just think it's so regrettable how it happened if if what you're reporting Mm. is true these are two consenting adults who are both executives. That they can't have a private relationship um, feels wrong.
0: It just feels wrong, doesn't it? Wow, what a rosy picture CNN lady is painting of what happened. They're two executives. Uh, Sure, the only reason this woman was an executive, at least according to Katie Couric's book, is because Jeff Zucker was stopping her. That's how she got her job. That's how she got promoted. Do you think that is fair to the other women at the network who maybe got passed over for a promotion? because they weren't sleeping on top of Jeff Zucker? Do you, do you think that's fair to them? Do you think we ought to promote a culture of women, empowering women in the workplace? If you want to get ahead, there's one easy way to do it, ladies. <laughs> Just go knocking on that door at your boss's office and close the door behind you. That's right. That's how you can get ahead. It's two consenting adults. Isn't that fine? Two consenting adults who were married, who broke up their marriages because of this, And created a a highly unprofessional workplace dynamic. That's fine. It's just two consenting adults. Yeah, people can consent to things that are bad that shouldn't be allowed. People do it all the time. We shouldn't tolerate that. It's bad for them. It's bad for their marriages. It's bad for society. It's bad for the company. But this, this is what is encouraged. And this is why you can't trust the establishment media. You can't trust it. There is no way, even if just one aspect of this one story were true, you could never, you could never trust CNN's reporting of Andrew Cuomo. The fact that his brother until recently, Fredo, was one of the top anchors at their network. How are you going to trust their coverage of Andrew Cuomo? One of the most powerful guys there is the brother of Cuomo. The fact that one of their apparently top executives Was the former communications director for Cuomo? How are you going to trust? She, she, this woman was being talked about as a replacement for Jeff Zucker, just a year or two ago. Yes, Alison Gallis, she might replace Jeff Zucker whenever he retires. She was very high up. How are you going to trust their coverage of Cuomo? How did this news come out? Well, the news was already leaked. But why? Why would Jeff Zucker step down now? Because apparently, Chris Cuomo. This is just being reported. Chris Cuomo had audio compromising audio, compromise on Jeff Zucker on this issue. So they're all blackmailing each other. They all know each other's dirt and they're all covering up for each other. And who gets screwed? You, the viewer, you, the public, you, the people who are having information concealed from you or who are just being outright deceived through active lies. This is just one little episode, but it's one episode that you see countless times a day on countless issues throughout the establishment media. I I sort of feel bad for everyone in this situation because everyone did bad things and then everyone tried to catch other people doing bad things to cover up their bad things. And it was just game theory. And they were all just, they were were just sort of waiting to see who would crack first. It was a prisoner's dilemma. And finally, it did. One great way to avoid this, don't do it. I, I remember before I got married, I asked Andrew Claven, that old sage, I asked him for advice. I said, how do you have a good long marriage? He says, uh, it's pr- pretty simple. Don't sleep with other people. And then don't get divorced. There you go. That's how you have a good long marriage. <laughs> don't stop other people. Don't get divorced. Okay. Easier said than done. I know. Drew has also made the point that every man is two drinks and a wink away from ruining his life. So it's possible we're all tempted, but this would be a good reason why not to, because it can come back and it really compromises you, and it compromises your integrity, and it can lead to great humiliation. Speaking of liberals getting in trouble at legacy media outlets, I've been meaning to talk about this for two days now, and we just, we've run out of time each day, but I have to get to Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg made a very impolitic comment about the Holocaust she has now been suspended. There are calls for her to be fired. She's furious that she was suspended at all. Here's the comment in case you haven't heard it.
2: Well, also, if you're yeah. going to do this, then let's be truthful about it, because yeah. the Holocaust isn't about race. No, no, it's well, not about maybe race. It's it, it, city. Well, no, it's Jews Jews about a different but, race. But it's it's not about race. It's not about well, race. What is it about? Because you, it's about man's inhumanity to man. That's what it's about. But it's about white supremacy. It's well, about but it's after But these are two Romans. white groups of people. Well, how do have we to blame, have to black people see them, them as white people? But they they have you're have missing the point. You're yeah. missing the point. The yeah. minute you turn it into race, it goes down this alley. Let's talk about it for what it is. It's how people treat each other. It's a problem. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, because black, white, Jews, uh, it's ha- everybody eats each other. So is it, if you're uncomfortable, if you hear about mouse, should you be worried? Should, should your child say, oh my God, I, I, I wonder if that's me. No, that's not what they're going to say. They're going to say, I don't want to be like that.
0: I, I want you to pull over if you're driving. I want if you are watching this or listening to this and you, I want you to sit down because I have I think the most contrarian take on this whole episode of anyone that I have heard on either side of the aisle. While Whoopi Goldberg is obviously 100% wrong as an historical matter, I think she kind of makes a good point. All right, I just I said it, I said it. I know people are going to be shocked and uh, offended and rend their garments and clutch their pearls. She is 100% wrong as a matter of history. Hitler very much perpetrated the Holocaust because he hated the Jews. He viewed the Jews as a race, not just as a religious group, but as a race. The Jews historically are a race and a religion. It's very difficult for modern people to understand that a tribe of people and a religion of people Could be the same thing because in modernity, we don't really think of tribes anymore. We don't really think of nations anymore. We think that any people can be part of any religion and the two are completely separated. That was not true in the ancient world. That is not true historically of Judaism. Actually, that idea is really a product of Christianity. When Christianity comes and St. Paul says that there is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free, but all are one in Christ Jesus, that is a, a pretty radical and novel idea. And so because Christianity shaped the development of the West, it's the most important feature that shaped the development of the West, then that's how we think of things. But that wasn't always true and that is not the case with Judaism. So yes, Whoopi is wrong that the Holocaust was not about race. And the Holocaust specifically refers to Hitler's genocide of the Jews. Hitler also killed millions of Ukrainians. Hitler also killed millions of Russians. Hitler also killed lots and lots of Catholics. Hitler also killed what a half a million gypsies, something like that. Hitler Hitler also killed lots and lots of other people. That's not really what we're referring to with the Holocaust. They are separate things. Hitler killed a lot of people. And he, he killed the Jews because they're a race. However, the point that Whoopi makes that I really like, that I think actually is a pretty conservative point, is that When we're talking about something, even this, you know, as extremely evil, I guess the most extremely evil thing you can think of in modernity, the Holocaust, the essence of that evil is not race. We are really tempted these days, especially by the left, to say that every bad thing is racism, that racism is the most evil thing in the world. There is nothing more evil than racism. It is the core evil. This is why the original sin of America is racism. That's the language they use, but it's not. The original sin of America, all of the original sin of the whole world is original sin, and it's deeper. The issue here is that the imagination of man's heart is evil from the very beginning. You can't boil down the evil in the world just to race. It's it's deeper than that. It's actually more fundamental than that. And, and so Whoopi, I, don't, I bet you Whoopi Goldberg would have no idea what I'm talking about if I explained to her the implications of the things that she were saying and if I corrected her on the historical record. But that point is very important because if we try to boil down all evil to race, we're going to come up short. It's much, much deeper than that. And, it's, and ultimately, it is religious. And, that, and, and because all human conflict is theological, you've got to get down to that issue too. And the more that we just babble and prattle about race, The worse off we're going to be. You know, big things are happening here at the Daily Wire. Our first original production, Shut In, will premiere one week from today. Directed by DJ Caruso, executive produced by Daily Wire co founders, Uh, the film is centered around a young single mother who's barricaded inside a pantry by her violent ex boyfriend while using nothing but her voice to guide her two small children to escape escalating danger. It's a tale of redemption. While remaining an intense, suspenseful thriller that delivers riveting action without missing a beat. Check out the trailer.
2: You had your way. Now you must pay. Your daughter. Very pretty. I'm scared.
0: The film premiere is a week from today, Thursday, February 10th, and will be free for all to stream on YouTube and DailyWire.com. After that, it will be available only to DailyWire subscribers, so now would be the perfect time to sign up. Also, if you haven't heard of Jonathan Isaac yet, Where are you? Where have you been living? The NBA star stood strong with his values while everyone else kneeled and faced heavy criticism from the media for his views on social issues and vaccines over the past few years, which is why I'm extremely excited to announce that he is uh, writing a book with us. It's called Why I Stand. Jonathan's book will be about the rise of his basketball career, his journey into faith, his strength to stand alone in the face of immense pressure. Check out the teaser.
1: The Orlando Magic's 23 year old starting forward is deeply religious and proudly unvaccinated. On Friday, Isaac got attention for choosing not to kneel in unison with his teammates or to wear a Black Lives Matter shirt. My name is Jonathan Isaac. I play for the Orlando Magic, and I'm writing a book with the Daily Wire. Courage does not mean the absence of fear. And in today's day, there are so many things that you can be afraid of facing because of believing what you believe or deciding to stand for what you believe in. And I believe this book gives you a blueprint of my story of how Christ has made the difference in my life. From a young kid who struggled with fear, anxiety, uh, self insecurity, to a man willing to stand for what he believes in.
0: Jonathan's book will be one of the first under Daily Wire's new publishing arm DW books. We could not be happier to have him on board. The book is available for pre-order now at Amazon, so reserve your copy today. We'll be right back with a lot more. Speaking of the Nazis, there is a riveting story in Rolling Stone. I'm serious. That's not even a joke. I'm not being facetious. Rolling Stone, a very left-wing outlet, has a really interesting long essay about an undercover federal agent. Says, Here's the headline. He spent 25 years infiltrating Nazis, the Klan, and biker gangs. It's about this, this Fed who would go into all these radical far-right groups, radical far-right domestic terrorist groups all around America, the ones who we're told pose the greatest terror threat. We've got to be on guard. There's a Klansman around every corner, and he would infiltrate them, and he would thwart their actions. I think the point of this essay is that, as I've just said, there are Nazis and Klansmen everywhere, and we've got to be on the lookout, and and we've got to suppress the right wing in America. Ironically, though, the effect of the essay, I think, is to prove all of us right-wingers correct when we say that these, the Nazis that we're told about, the Klansmen that we're told about, are very often just feds. It's very often just feds LARPing, live-action role-playing this Nazi stuff and, and inventing a threat where none really exists or where the threat is relatively minor. This is just from the essay. By his count, There are 600 FBI agents who are certified undercover employees, but some of them do the work of backstopping agents, creating false credentials and social media profiles for UCEs working in the field. So there's 600 of these guys running around or doing their work online, 600 around the country. At one point in this account, the undercover Fed talks about how when he was infiltrating one of these these Nazi Klansmen, whatever groups, he ran into another undercover Fed and he only knew about the other undercover Fed because he had heard about him somewhere Like you know, there, there's 600 of them. So there are a lot of these undercover Feds, but, but he had heard about him. They had some connection. They said, oh, hey, look, it's like that. It's like that Spider-Man meme, you know? It's, oh, hey, it's you. Oh, hey, it's you. This is actually how I imagine most Klan meetings to go. Whatever Klan meetings still exist in America, whatever Nazi meetings there are, I suspect that when, the, when they show up, it's kind of like that Fed picnic. Remember the rally for the justice for January 6th that happened a few months ago. And the only people who showed up were journalists, liberals, and undercover federal agents. <laughs> and like one Klansman from Appalachia who didn't get the memo. But all, probably 99% of the people at this thing, and it was so obvious, there were photos going around of all these dudes wearing the same logo shorts and t-shirts they're all wearing their garmin watch they've all got fed sunglasses on they all got a nice fresh haircut probably in the basement of langley they're all they're all checking their sixes <laughs> a lot of situational awareness these guys blended in like a like a clown <laughs> you know like a big colorful clown it was so obvious and i and i think that's the point here what we have been saying for years that this threat, that we're told, oh, it's the, ra- the racists, the Nazis, the white supremacists, It's I think it's mostly imagined and contrived and actually being encouraged by our federal government. And the whole point of this piece, by the way, is to advocate for an even greater surveillance state. The whole point of the piece is to say, this is a real problem. We need even more of these guys. We got to stamp out the right wing. If you read it carefully, really makes, really makes the opposite point. Maybe these federal agents who are protecting us from phantoms, maybe maybe they're doing more harm than good. Maybe they're the ones creating the illusion of this threat. Speaking of agents of the state, per, uh, there's a, a parent right now, number of parents in the North Penn School District right outside of Philly, who showed up to a school board meeting to report on something that If this mother had not had courage, we probably never would have heard of. This came from libs of TikTok. that a fifth grade teacher lined up students by their race. These are 10 year olds. And made the white kids apologize to the black kids.
1: I actually pulled my daughter out of AM Culp because of the fifth grade teacher who lined those students up from whitest to darkest. Made them turn around and the white ones needed to apologize to the black ones. Now, do not tell me that that did not happen, okay, in this district. You need to put an end to this. Kids do not see color and you are segregating them and you are separating them. This is not okay. Do something or get out of those damn chairs.
0: I love it. I love her righteous anger and I love the point that she's making. This is not okay. The teachers who do this need to be canceled. They need to be fired. They need to not work as teachers again. I love cancel culture. Cancel culture is awesome when it's for the right reasons. All cultures cancel Every single person supports cancel culture. Plenty of people who pretend to hate cancel culture right now are calling to—they're going to cancel Whoopi Goldberg. Maybe they have good reason to. I think there are plenty of good reasons to ostracize people. There are standards. There are taboos. There are consequences for what people say. Of course, certainly that should be enforced against this teacher, without question. Now it actually ties in with the Whoopi point a little bit too. Because let's take away all of Whoopi's stupid historical commentary on the Holocaust. And let's just get to the ostensibly deeper philosophical point she's trying to make, which is that evil doesn't just boil down to race, it boils down to man's inhumanity toward man. It really boils down to the perversion and fallenness of of man's heart. If it is the case that it's really all about race, all evil in the world is about race and white supremacy, then the exercise that this teacher is doing in her classroom is totally justified. If it's really, if the, all the problems of the world stem from white supremacy, then yeah, the white kids probably should apologize to the black kids, shouldn't they? And they should be taught that whiteness is bad and blackness is good. And white people should always feel ashamed of their skin color. And you've got to root out, out damn spot, out damn whiteness, right? If, if, the racial ideology of the left is true. If it's not, if racism is merely a symptom of a deeper fallenness of the world that is not merely about one group or some other group, but is actually about the man in the mirror and our own cracked, broken hearts that are corrupt from the beginning, well, then this exercise doesn't make any sense at all. And the answer to this, by the way, is not What the libs are doing right now is they're saying one group good, the other group evil. What a lot of people want all the kids to be told is you're all good. You're all good people deep down. What the kids should really be taught is no, you're all fallen. You're not totally evil. You're not 100% irredeemable, but you're not good either. You're fallen and you need humility and you are a sinner. That's the nature of this world. And we need to practice virtue and we need to be on guard against sin and we need a redeemer. That is what, I know that sounds so radical now to say that. That's what education was until like five minutes ago, by which I mean 60, 70 years ago when the secularists really took over the educational institution. And what happened? Since that time, our education has crumbled and little 10-year-olds are being told to feel ashamed of themselves for the color of their skin. This is a lot deeper than just some stupid racial theory. This, is, this requires an entire overhaul of how we see ourselves and our country starting to think these teachers are the baddies. You know, these teachers who are, they're such good people, but they seem to, they actually on, on closer inspection seem to be the baddies. There, there is an abortionist who, who was tweeting out the other day, her defense of abortion. She tweeted out, she said, being against abortion, uh, if you are against abortion, you do not have the moral high ground. Yes, you do. You you do because it's because it's immoral to support abortion and it's moral to oppose abortion, and so just on that issue alone, you do have the moral high ground if you oppose abortion because abortion is evil. So then she responds to her own tweet and she says, "Being against abortion is being for reproductive coercion." So I'll repeat: if you're against abortion, you do not have the moral high ground. The lady doth protest too much, methinks. When people are really confident of something that they believe in. They don't have to constantly repeat it in an angrier and angrier way. If you're you're confident, if you're secure, if you have a a good formation of what you believe, then you just say it and it's clear and you don't need to yell and scream and cry about it. You just say it. I looked at this woman's bio and her self-bio. In her bio, she writes do-gooder. Do-gooder in her own bio. The thing about do-gooders is the real do-gooders don't say that they're do-gooders. They don't. They don't have to. They just do good things. The people who say, I'm a do-gooder, I'm a good person, I'm so virtuous, I'm so wonderful, they're saying it, one, because I think they're trying to convince themselves, and two, because it's not manifestly true from their behavior. But, But saying so will not make it so. The left believes that language... Because there's no such thing as objective reality. If we just say certain if we just say that a man is a woman, then the man really will be a woman. They'll just say if we just say that vicious people are virtuous people, then they really will be virtuous people, and vice versa. But that's not the case. That's not the case. Reality has a say too. I saw one of the more disturbing stories, not because anyone died or it was particularly gruesome it was a disturbing story about where our culture is headed. It was a local news story about the metaverse, about how we're all going to plug into virtual reality and Mark Zuckerberg is going to control the world. And we're going to leave the world built by God and we're going to go into a world built by Mark Zuckerberg. Isn't that going to be so much better? And in the news story, they said the future, not just of commerce, not just of schooling, but of the future of church is going to be in the metaverse.
1: Metaverse is an online platform where people can use virtual reality headsets to transport themselves to any realm they wish, including church. Jackie Banez explains the appeal of digital worshipping in the metaverse. I believe the future of the church is the metaverse. A growing number of people are turning to the metaverse for their religious services as folks pop on virtual reality headsets and partake in digital church. Uh, Let me have someone read uh, verses 19 through 21. But just because it's virtual doesn't mean it's less interactive than going to a physical house of worship. If anything, VR church participants say it enhances their religious experience.
0: I was able to see a rendering of the verse I was reading, which made scripture much more meaningful. Uh, for
1: me. And it's so much more than scripture readings. Baptisms are also taking place in the metaverse. The rebirth that you got through Jesus Christ. Do you want this? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Yes. I baptize you know. But this kind of worshiping isn't just for the tech savvy.
0: Baptisms are not taking place in the metaverse. That's the problem. Maybe people think that when they log into their video game and have their little character put their head under the little digital water that they're they're being baptized. They're not. They're not. They're not going to a church, even in the video game. They are they're playing a video game. Our faith, Christianity, is an incarnational faith. It's so incarnational that the second person of the Trinity, the divine logic of the universe, took on flesh. He was was incarnate of the Virgin Mary. Incarnate Conceived by the Holy Spirit, incarnate of the Virgin Mary, and became man. And became man. At that point, when you're reciting the creed in Christianity, you, you actually get down on your knees. Because it's, this is the central fact that God became man, took on flesh. And what these heretics are trying to do are, is take the flesh away. And this has huge, even if you're not Christian, even if you're not particularly religious, this has huge implications for your politics. Charlie Kirk the other day got in trouble with Media Matters because he made a point that I've made on this show dozens of times, that transgenderism is such a big focus of the left, not only because they're creepy, perverted sexual theorists on the left who want to upend all traditional sexual mores, but because they want to get rid of the flesh. They want it to be a stepping stone into transhumanism. (laughs) They, They want to say that you're Your body doesn't matter. Your location doesn't matter. Your family doesn't matter. Your nation doesn't matter. Real reality doesn't matter. We can just be transported wherever we want in the metaverse. Go into your pod, work on your laptop, and isolate yourself. That's what this is about, a denial of the importance of the flesh. But you can't have that. Real community, real worship, real life happens with your body not on a couch, not with some goggles on, not living in some dystopian hell created by Mark Zuckerberg. Take the goggles off, go into real life. The sunshine is beautiful and the church is much more beautiful too. Now, speaking of the real world, speaking, I see why the Democrats want to deny the real world. Because they are basing their political views largely on fantasies. Fantasies like the idea that a baby's not a baby, that a man can become a woman. Fantasies of how the economy is going to work. Fantasies about how geopolitics. So they they like fantasy much more than they like reality. That's why they're denying reality. In reality, though, Joe Biden is a very unpopular president. In fantasy, Joe Biden's the most popular president ever who got 700 bazillion votes in 2020. In reality, Joe Biden, according to the majority of voters, is the worst president ever. Rasmussen and the National Pulse conducted a survey on people's opinion of Joe Biden. Question was, who's the worst president in history? 54% of likely voters believe that Joe Biden will be remembered as one of the worst presidents in American history. Only 25% think his presidency will be remembered as about average. When the same question was asked about Donald Trump, it was a much smaller number who thought he would be one of the worst presidents in history. 43% said that. When it was asked about Obama, it was even lower. 33% said that. What's weird is it's not just the Republicans skewing this, even among Democrats. More Democrats ranked Biden as one of the worst presidents, as ranked him as one of the best presidents. 28% said he'll be one of the worst. 27% says, uh, say that he will be one of the best. This is bad news for Biden. In part, you've got this issue of when presidents are in the hot seat, they're less popular than they are remembered. So this is why Obama... Only 33% say that about him. This is why Bill Clinton's image has been rehabilitated. It's why George W. Bush's even to some degree has been rehabilitated. But that doesn't explain everything away for Biden. Presidents are supposed to be popular at the beginning of their administration. Then they get less popular over time. By the time they leave office, usually they're relatively unpopular. Then it bounces back again. Joe Biden's been in office for one year. And he's already one of the least popular presidents in American history. Why is that? I think it's very simple. I think it's because you can't deny reality forever. I think that Joe Biden began his campaign on lies. The very first claim of Joe Biden's presidential campaign is that Donald Trump called Nazis very fine people at Charlottesville. That didn't happen. It was completely made up. Then the lie was that uh, Donald Trump's a white supremacist. Then the lie was that he was going to completely shut down the virus. Then the lie was that the economy was going to be great. Then the lie was that there was going to be peace and harmony around the world. Then then the lie was foreign affairs were going to get better. And then none of that happened. Everything got worse. This is one of the great conservative consolations, is that you can't deny reality forever. You can put your little goggles on. You can shut out the world. You can try to just live in your fantasy. You can't do it forever. Eventually, reality is going to come back on you. So how are the libs explaining all of this away? Why Biden is so deeply unpopular, why things are really not going well, why everyone seems seems to really dislike this guy. According to Brian Stelter, according to CNN, it's, it's the obvious answer. It's the answer. It's the cause of all the evil in the world. It's racism. High conflict is a force that causes people to lie awake at
1: night. And fear for the future. And I can see this kind of conflict right now uh, with a looming Supreme Court confirmation battle. I guess I could call it a confirmation process. Maybe I should, but I default to the word battle because that's the way it's portrayed in the press. And look, maybe it won't really be a battle. Uh, Some conservative activists are saying they're not planning to go scorched earth against President Biden's nominee to replace Justice uh, Stephen Breyer. Since uh, whoever the nominee is will not change the balance of the court. But let's be honest. Fox wants a fight. Right wing radio and TV wants a fight. They need a fight over the Supreme Court. They're already starting a fight that's rooted in white identity politics. All the Fox's primetime shows are outraged that Biden has committed to nominating a justice who is black and female.
0: There it is. It's rooted. What's it rooted in? What's the root of all of this evil, all this tension, all this conflict, the root White racism. This is why, guys, this is why I'm sort of willing to give Whoopi Goldberg at least a little bit of grace here. because yes, she was totally wrong about the history, but th- at least some person in the establishment is is admitting that not the root of all evil in the world is not race, that there's actually something deeper than race. You can be you can be wrong about the historical point, but but correct about the deeper rot. <laughs> <laughs> that undergirds human conflict. Stelter won't do that. St- the reason, we are told, the reason that conservatives are going to oppose Joe Biden's inevitably radical leftist court nominee who's going to want to enshrine mass baby slaughter in law, in imaginary ink in the Constitution, the only reason we oppose that is because of racism or whatever. Even when Joe Biden is admitting <laughs> that his nominee, is going to take this radical view of the Constitution. He admitted it yesterday.
1: There's always a renewed national debate every time we uh, nominate, any president nominates a justice, because the Constitution is always evolving slightly uh, in terms of additional rights or curtailing rights, et cetera, and it's uh, always an issue.
0: The Constitution's always evolving slightly. Oh, because the Constitution's a living, breathing document, right? It's not. It's not. It's a piece of paper. It's very much dead. It's got words on it. The words have meaning. We can read those words. Our lowercase constitution, the way that we all kind of live together, that is evolving. That's always changing. But the, ca- the whole point of the capital C Constitution on paper is that it doesn't change. It's just text. And if you want to change it, you can. You need to go through the amendment process. And so there's a built-in way to change the Constitution, but it is not steadily always necessarily evolving. So what Biden's saying is, I'm going to nominate someone who's going to completely ignore the Constitution and read into it whatever whims and caprices she has. And what does Brian Stelter say? It's just white identity politics. There, It's not white identity politics. If it were, that would only be a response to leftist identity politics, whether it be them, the left ginning up black identity politics, Hispanic identity politics, any other kind of identity politics. That, that comes first. There was a, a report from Pew Research that showed that white people in America have the lowest racial consciousness of any group by a lot. It's about 15% for white people, it's over 50% for every other group. So please don't prattle on to me about the scourge of white identity politics, it barely exists. And these battles by the way only happen from the Democrat side. It started with Robert Bork, then it went to Clarence Thomas against a black man by the way, Democrats, Joe Biden, and then it went to Brett Kavanaugh. Those are that's the only place where this high conflict is. It's total projection from the left. And it's not it's not primarily or ultimately about race. It's about the way we view ourselves as a country, it's about the way we view the Constitution. It's about the country that we want to live in. It's about the way that we view ourselves. The Democrats have done a very, very good job of reordering the way that all, all of us view ourselves and, and the way that all of us view our, our countrymen. But Reality does creep in in the end. reality The reality is dawning on people. Is that enough to lead to... A political upheaval, one can hope. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, the Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022.
2: Today on the Ben Shapiro show, Jeff Zucker resigns from CNN over revelations he was stooping his closest colleague, who happens to be a former comms director for Andrew Cuomo. We'll get into that today. Give it a listen.